charge that the old pastor is grown not only old, but heretic. I believe the truth more firmly than ever before. In spite that I begin to lose my, not, not quite lose my eyesight, but, you know. And my children tell me, you need a hearing aid, you need a hearing aid. I always, uh, quite often, ask them, what, what did you say? What did you say? Grandpa, get a hearing aid. But I said, I postpone it as long as I can because I have seen too many people, you know, turning it on and off and tinkering with it, and I don't want to do that. So, let me explain. You don't need faith to believe that Jesus is coming, but you need a sanctified reason. Now let me explain. There are 300 prophecies about the first advent. References, you know. Where, how, when he would be born, what he would do, ultimately how he would be treated and crucified and risen. 300 prophecies about the first advent. And brethren, if we are honest, if we are honest, we must admit that all those 300s were fulfilled, literally. Do you believe it? Now, brethren, there are an additional 300 for the second advent. And if the first 300 were fulfilled, you don't need faith for the second 300. You need rational thinking, sanctified reason. If the first 300 were fulfilled, the second 300 will be fulfilled. The only question, will I meet him in peace? Uh, that's what I like to, you know, as, as I get older, I'm 84 now. Oh. <clears throat> I begin to be afraid, <clears throat> not from my neighbors, not from the Chinese communists, they are far enough, from the American communists, yes. <laughs> but by and large, I'm afraid of myself, of myself, Lord, am I so firm in the truth, intellectually and emotionally, then nothing will shake me out. And I consider, let me come to what John Whitehead president of the Rutherford Institute has written. Now this is a quote from him. In the time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Now he is actually quoting George Orwell. But it is true. It is true. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And then he continues. When exposing a crime, are you, are you with me? When exposing a crime is treated 
as committing a crime, you are being ruled by criminals. And I am not playing politics. I stand firmly on theological ground and I am not a member of the Republicans or the Democrats, I mean the parties, you know. And I have no intention to join the party, also I am sympathizing with one more than with the other, but let's not, let's not get into it, okay? But let me read this sentence again because this is so important. When exposing a crime is treated as committing a crime, you are being ruled by criminals. I don't know how you follow history. I all my life, long before I became an Adventist, but after I became Adventist even more, I had been interested. I loved history. I lived through World War II. I have seen the German army come into Hungary. I saw the Jews wearing the yellow stars. You just read about it. I saw it. Many of my neighbors were, you know, for weeks or months carrying the yellow stars and then suddenly disappeared. And then the Russian came. <clears throat> and they were not better either. But now I'm getting political and I don't want to get political. Uh, some of you come from the Ukraine. Uh, you know what, what happened over there, and uh, from Yugoslavia, and Hungary, and Germany. Uh, it's not easy to deal with memory. It's not easy to deal with memory, especially if we don't deal with it in the context of the gospel. Are you with me, brother? Otherwise you... slip into... anti-Semitism. Now, I, as a committed Christian... I don't accept anti-Semitism. But neither do I accept the evil deeds of the Jewish people. Just like I don't accept the evil deeds of the Christian people. You follow me? I equally condemn evil Let's include the Muslims, and I hope nobody shoots me for this. I, I, I still like to live another 10 or 15 years, if possible. <laughs> but my concern is deception and truth and how to, how to, not to be victims to become a victim of deception. The other day, my older daughter, I have only one left, you know, the younger one passed away, and I still haven't recovered from that loss. My wife died, and then six months later, my younger daughter died. I'm almost ashamed to admit, but if I am honest... I have to admit, I have not overcome the loss. I'm still depressed. I'm still depressed. But I'm fighting it. I'm not giving myself over to it. 
but neither am I denying it. So my older daughter <coughs> said, they call me grandpa. You know, that's, that's in the family. I feel comfortable with it. I am a grandpa. I have three grandchildren, two granddaughters. Going away, <coughs> uh, the younger one, Epi, is going to Michigan to the Great Lake Academy next year. And Carly, who's graduating, going to Southern Adventist University in Tennessee. So two widowers will remain in the house and four cats and one dog. But Heidi saw that I was somewhat neglecting myself. She says, Grandpa, we have to go out and buy your new suit. The influence of my daughter. I pay for it. (laughs) The Lord has blessed me with two good girls. I mean, of course I am biased. Aren't you? With your children? So we went... And a tailor came because, you know, had to be adjusted and this and that, cut off here, cut off head over there. And, but it was an extremely courteous tailor with an accent. And I hear anybody with an accent, I, I cheer up. I am not the only one who speaks with a bad accent. I said, where are you from? Middle East. Middle East, yes. But I am a Muslim. And I am a Freemason. And I am way up in the Masonic order. I am not just at the foot of the ranks. I am way up. I said, fine. I gave him uh, the day of the Lord issued by Amazing Facts. You remember that magazine when on the front page shows Jesus coming with thousands of angels around him. A second coming. I gave it to him. He says, oh, I believe Jesus is coming back. We believe that too, but he is not coming to Jerusalem. He will land in Mecca and co-rule with another thing. I felt that I could just bypass this difference, not to argue at the first meeting, you know, that's not the way to win a person. But he said, there is a problem. I said, what is the problem? Jesus did not die on the cross. He was taken from the cross alive. Now, brethren, when you accept that tenet, that Jesus did not die on the cross, brethren, you can throw out the whole Bible. Because the Old Testament and the New Testament testify to the truth. It was predicted and it was fulfilled. And to deny such a fundamental truth that Jesus did not die on the cross, brethren, is denying everything. Are you following me? It's denying everything. You can be courteous and kind, polite, and he was. He says, I'd like to take you out for a meal. 
you know, I'm getting old, I'm getting deaf, I'm getting blind, but I still have a good appetite. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm not turning you down. But I said, I have to tell you, I eat only kosher. I didn't want to explain to him right on the first, what this, but he understood, he understood. He says, I take you to a Mediterranean restaurant. It will be kosher. But brethren, all the courtesy, all the kindness, all the politeness does not substitute theological correctness. Are you with me? Oh, I, I love to be treated nice, and I love to be treated courteously, and I always enjoy that here in Brooklyn. But by and large, I do love it. <clears throat> and you do too. We all do. Brethren, Courtesy and kindness and politeness is no substitute for theological correctness. Please remember that. Courtesy could be just a sign of a cultural training. You grew up in a nice community. My parents, when I was little, they demanded that I greet the elderly men in advance. So, I did this because that was cultural in Hungary, in my childhood. But I'm coming back to this issue, brethren. We need... Theological correctness. We shall be sealed, we are told by the spirit of prophecy, when we are settled in the truth. Intellectually and spiritually. So that nothing will shake us out. Intellectually, when... False reasoning will not deceive you. And emotionally, when somebody steps on your foot, accuses you falsely, you don't tell the congregation, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. Are you with me, brother? It's an extremely important issue. Uh, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Uh, I will not say everything that I intended to say, but there is a time limit on Igor, and I better honor that because Let me read Gospel Workers, page 148. A comment on Matthew 24, but turn to your Bible, Matthew 24. That's the burden of my message. Gospel Workers, page 148. The 24th chapter of Matthew is presented to me again and again as something that is to be brought to the attention of all. We are today living in the time when the predictions of this chapter are fulfilling. Let our ministers and teachers explain these prophecies to those whom they are instructing. Let them leave out of their discourses matters of minor consequences. Now, I, I, she doesn't define minor consequences 
consequences I am not defining. You have to settle that for yourself. And present the truth that will decide the destiny of the souls. The purpose of this chapter, this is no more quote, this is just somebody else's thought. The purpose of this chapter is not to convince the secular people that Jesus is coming soon. Are you listening, brethren? And of course, it's not to convince you and me either. You remember the 300 prophecies about the first advent and the 300 prophecies about the second advent? And I said at the beginning of my sermon that the first 300 were literally fulfilled. Therefore, you don't need faith about the second coming. You need sanctified reason. Because if the first 300 were fulfilled, the second will be fulfilled. So let me read it again. The purpose of this chapter is not to convince the secular people that Jesus is coming soon, because they can see certain signs transpiring in the political economic, social, and religious world. The purpose is to keep God's own people from being overtaken by Satan's overmastering end-time deception. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I don't like the statement. It comes frighteningly close. Frighteningly close. Take heed, Jesus says, Matthew 24, 4. Take heed that no one deceives you. Not even a courteous, polite, gentle, Muslim tailor who offers you a meal at the Mediterranean restaurant. You follow me? Just recently read another article the Florida government suggested to pass a law. Now you know, before I finish this, you know there was a shooting in the synagogue in Florida. There was a shooting also in New York and Los Angeles in or during the Sabbath morning services. I hope it never happens to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Brethren, I hope. But if it did, if it did, would it shake your confidence in the Lord? Would it shake your confidence that this is a truth? In spite how am how am I treated? Now in the context of those shootings in Florida, in New York, in Los Angeles, I'm speaking about shooting during the worship service, Sabbath morning service in the synagogues. At least four times, several people died and so on and so on. Uh, the Florida governor suggests that at least in Florida we pass a law that criminalizes 
anti-Semitism. Are you with me? Uh, what about criminalizing anti-Christian feelings? Are you, are you with me? I mean, but brethren, when we come to the point that we criminalize thoughts, we are on a very dangerous ground. That happened during the Middle Ages. You were condemned for your thoughts. And brethren, the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments of two different stones. On the first one, the first four. On the second one, the last six. And the Lord entrusted us to judge transgression on the second stone. Are you with me? The last sixth commandment. For society's peace and harmony and living together, stealing, lying, killing, adultery, and so on and so on has to be condemned. But when it comes to the first four, it is strictly between the individual and God. No human being is authorized to make a judgment. And when you criminalize Anti-Semitism. I am against anti-Semitism as such. I lived through it during World War II. But I lived through communism just as much. And one is as bad as the other. No, no amen. No amen here. You don't want to get political. I don't blame you. Of course, in your home country, I didn't even mention there was a slaughter of Christians in response to what happened in New Zealand. You know what happened in New Zealand. A Christian man went into the what was it? A Muslim worship and shoot up worshippers. And and they just responded, you know. But they responded tenfold. Now, brethren, this is the vine of Babylon. Are you following me? This is the vine of Babylon. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I watched it on TV. I told you I, I'm in, interested in current history. I'm interested in current truth, present truth. And if you are truly interested in present truth, you will not close your eyes and ears the historical event around you. Because we just read in the spirit of prophecy that Matthew 24 is being fulfilled here and now. Now, on April 11 to 19, I don't ask you if you remember what happened. Some of you may. But I help you, okay? April 11, 2019, the police arrested Assange. You know who was Assange? He was for seven years at the 
Equatorian Embassy in London hiding. But he established WikiLeaks. Let me see what Rutherford Institute wrote about him. Police arrested Assange for daring to access and disclose military documents that portrayed the U.S. government and its endless wars abroad as reckless, irresponsible, immoral, and responsible for thousands of civilian death. I am not reading the whole article. It's very interesting. You remember one of my first sentences at the beginning Let me repeat it again. When exposing crime is treated as committing a crime, you are being ruled by criminals. I don't want to go into the investigation of the Miller report. I am totally frustrated with all the lying Deception, Hillary and company. I am approaching this from a theological point, not a political. You follow me? But from a theological point, I condemn it. I condemn it. Let me share with you one or two examples and then I give you my favorite Bible chapter that I gave last time I was here. Now, if you are a senior citizen like me, you forget. If you don't, you still enjoy hearing the truth again because it's extremely important. But before I go there, uh, forward to Zion hometown camp meeting. Anybody familiar with this? Uh There was a mini camp meeting for year after year after year of some independent groups in Ohio because we... We don't have regular camp meetings. We have one Sabbath camp meeting. My family, for 15 years or more, we go up to Michigan and spend 10 days on their campgrounds. And you receive historical Adventist messages on the Michigan Ground. So, but there was a little group here in Ohio. As a retired pastor, I had the freedom to join them. I would have joined them even if I were not in retirement, you know. At times I took liberties. The right kind of liberties, all right? The right kind of liberties. But anyhow, I went to this camp meeting, 19, no, 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 2012. That's about, what, seven years ago. But these camp meetings were going on at least four, five, six years, and so on. And... Uh, Dr. Noyes was one of the guest speakers, a medical doctor, graduates from Omalinda, a truly, truly dedicated Seventh-day Adventist physician. 
And he offered this book. The title, you can't read it unless you have eagle eyes, which I doubt. But the title is Exposing Spiritualistic Practices in Healing. One of the best documented books I ever gotten. You know, when I get a good book, I'm so happy. I reread it and reread it and reread it. Now, the high point here is the well documented story behind the Alcoholic Anonymous. Are you familiar with that organization, Alcoholic Anonymous? Let me just tell you a short story. Uh, Many years ago, I was still in the ministry, but I, I felt I needed a little diversion, so I took an evening course in a high school. Welding. Now, what does a pastor have to do with welding? Nothing, yeah? almost nothing. But, but I wanted to just mix with people. So I took the course. Welding. And then, at graduation, we went to a restaurant. And on the graduation party, when people drank, but there was one classmate who wouldn't touch any alcohol. But he was not a Seventh-day Adventist. He was not a Jew. He was not a teetotaler. I said, what's the matter with you? I mean, everybody else in the class drinks and you don't. I said, I don't drink because of my religious conviction. But I know you are not a Seventh-day Adventist. How come? Uh, he says, I am an Alcoholic Anonymous member. I was down, down, Igor. I was down, down, all the way down. And I'm not going to tell you his story. The point is that he stopped drinking. But brethren... This book documents. Do you get the word? Documents. Not just tells you. Documents. That the two persons who established Alcoholic Anonymous were spiritualistic. Mediums attended seances and so on and so on and so on. Received messages from angels, and so on and so on. I'm simply saying, brethren, spiritualism is infesting the world around us. And many times you do not realize. We have a lovely neighbor to our right where I live, very kind, helpful, polite, courteous. But you remember what I said in the beginning of my sermon? Do you remember? Courtesy, politeness, kindness is no substitute for theological correctness. If you don't take home anything today, take this one sentence and We have not wasted our time. I didn't waste mine. You didn't waste yours. Thank you for that amen. Uh, I think an amen should go out so that uh, the fence would start rotating, brethren. Very kind neighbors. So, our older granddaughter, uh, Carl, uh, Jeannie was still alive at that time. 
and our older granddaughter went over to socialize with the girl of about the same age as our Carly. <clears throat> and the girl told her, Carly, do you want to know secret thing? We can play with the Ouija board. Did you get it? No. Who will be my boyfriend? Where can I find one? I mean, teenage girls likes to know many things. And the temptation came from a very nice, courteous, polite neighbor. Would you like to know a few secret things? We can sit down at the Ouija board and get the answer. My daughter says, Carly, no more going over. Did you hear me? I'm glad Jeannie put down her faith and she says, no. No. One more illustration. Brethren, Biblical Christianity is a sore point in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of unbelieving Jews, and so on. It is. (coughs) Here is a book. Marxianity. <coughs> I just I just got it April 16. I always write in the place and the time when I get a book. This is just a couple of weeks old. How evangelical, deep state, and their useful idiot are merging Marxism and Christianity through social justice, white privilege, cultural Marxism, illegal immigration. Did you get that? Interfaith dialogue and more and more and more. I'm reading, I read the first chapter and I see it being fulfilled in front of us. Brethren, 150 years ago when Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, a most prominent Seventh-day Adventist Finnish uh, physician, went to Chicago and started the work. Now, this is history, brethren. This is history. I'm just reminding you, okay? Went to Chicago to start helping the homeless. Feed the homeless. You know what Mrs. White told the physician? Brethren, that's not our work. Let the Salvation Army do it. They can do a good work. Let them do it. We have the three angels' messages. When they try to combine the gospel with welfare work and persuade the church, I have to say something. You can chase me out and then you can tell me Pastor, you are no longer welcome until you change your mind. And I'm not going to change my mind, okay? But we had a church here. I am not naming an individual. A church established in Cleveland before I retired. They pulled out the young people 
modern music, and so on and so on. I, I, I know they meant it well, but the main thrust, the main thrust of that energetic group was to feed the homeless. Now, brethren, they are nowhere. The pastor accepted the call to the west, and the group politely, respectfully disintegrated. No more comment. I'm just simply saying, brethren, we have a message, and that's a three angels message, and that's what we have to stay with. <coughs> I don't know if you remember my last message, but I told you I will remind you, help you, because we all need. If you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13, I said it three months ago when I was here. I repeat it again. Betty wasn't here, so Betty, this is for you too. <laughs> as an old-time friend, I'm speaking to you as a, a good friend, okay? I consider Deuteronomy chapter 13, and I summarize it. I realize it's my time is over. I don't want to abuse your patience, all right? The essence of this chapter, <clears throat> let me summarize, but mark it. In my Bible, I put on the margin one of the most important chapters. So every time I open, oh, Igor, remember, this is one of the most important chapters. So if you don't have anything written on the margin, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13 and just write it in one of the most important chapter in the whole Bible. Let me summarize it this way. We see that a true prophet speaks the truth. A false prophet lies. Is that correct, brethren? In summary, a, a true prophet speaks the truth. A false prophet lies, deceives. But here it speaks about a prophet who not only speaks the truth, but performs a miracle. And the miracle comes to pass. He says, I will do this. And he does it. Miracle. But then he says, let us go and follow other gods whom your fathers and grandfathers have not known. And you know what the scripture says? The Lord allows this to happen to test you whether you love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and with all your strength. Brethren, it's a very serious matter. So the ultimate test the ultimate test is not miracles. Are you following? Thus says the Lord, it is written, is above miracles. It's above miracles. Deuteronomy chapter 13. And the temptation in this chapter comes from a wife. I loved my wife. I hardly can put up with the loss of my wife. The temptation comes from a daughter or a father, a mother those who are the closest to us. You follow me? Not a stranger from China. 
Someone who is next door to you, who are very dear to you. Brethren, the ultimate issue is the first commandment. I'm not denying, I'm not denying that Sunday, birth, Sabbath will be an issue. I'm not denying. We are almost there. We are almost there. But beyond this point is still the ultimate issue is, do I love the Lord? You remember when the scribe, knowledgeable scribe, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, which is a great commandment? And Jesus says, it is written, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And the scribe says, Lord, you have given the right answer. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom. You remember the story. I'm telling you old stories, but fundamental stories. You are not far from the kingdom. Let's stay with the fundamentals, okay? And you can love this only, this way, only, when the Holy Spirit is in you. That's the reason we should plead with the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day. Because I cannot generate that love. You cannot generate that love. Oh, my time is over. I wanted to say something about the Orthodox rabbi who said, why we Jews don't accept Jesus? But you have to invite me back to hear that sermon, okay? And if you don't, we are still friends. I will just know that I failed you. That's okay. I accept that. Thank you so much for your patience. Lord bless you real good. It was a pleasure to see each one of you. Thank you. Our closing hymn will be 537, He Leadeth Me.
loveth me, he leadeth me by his own hand, he leadeth me. As by forefather I will be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in thine on earth is done when by the grace the victory's won in death's good wave I will not flee since God through Jordan leadeth me he leadeth me he leadeth me for his own hand Faithful follower I will be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Now, Pastor. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for your testimony in behalf of the authority of the Holy Scriptures. Lord, help us to remember that ultimately, if we love you, we will do what you ask us to do. Lord, help us to follow sanctified reason, reason that is sanctified by your word, and your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.